Friendships are all about. Friendships are about us pointing each other to Christ. So turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17. We're going through our series through the book of Proverbs. Our theme is a time for wisdom. And this morning's particular theme is a time for wisdom in our friendships. Friendship is a key theme throughout the book of Proverbs. It's also a key theme of one of my favorite movies. Actually, it's not just one of my favorite movies. Uh, We have statistics that reveal it is one of the most watched movies of all time. It's not yet Christmas, and it's sort of a Christmas movie, but I'm talking about the 1947 flick, It's a Wonderful Life, starring, of course, Jimmy Stewart. If you don't know the story, uh, we'll briefly summarize it. Jimmy Stewart plays a man named George Bailey. Actually, the movie begins when George is a little boy. And through his whole life, George has thought about others first. He's tried to be a loyal, faithful friend. As a matter of fact, because he's been such a great friend, he's had to say no to so many of his own dreams. Instead of going off to college, he inherits his father's uh, savings and loan business. And he works with his uncle, and his uncle makes a big mistake, an accounting error, misplaces money, and it looks like George is going to have to go to jail. George panics, he falls into despair, and he wishes that he had never even been born. Enter an angel named Clarence odd body. Now, Clarence doesn't have his wings yet as an angel because he's not done enough works. Really bad theology. (laughs) But again, really great movie. So, Clarence is going to help George, and also Clarence is going to help himself get his wings by showing George what the world would have looked like had George never been born. And by the end of the story, George realizes that even though he's financially poor, he's a very wealthy man because he is a great friend and has great friends. He then goes back home and his wife has called all of George's friends and they've sacrificed for him to be able to pay off the bill so he doesn't go to jail. They've given up vacations. They've given up education. They've given up savings all for George. And then at the end of the movie, George receives or opens a Christmas gift from Clarence, the angel who now has his wings. And inside the book cover, he writes these words. Remember, he is no failure who has friends. That's true, and it's a wonderful life, and it's also what is one of the means of God bringing us into a wonderful life. Friendship is not just a key theme of the movie. It's a key theme of the book of Proverbs. So let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word. I'm going to start in Proverbs 17, and then uh, we're going to go ahead and make our way Uh, through uh, the rest of the book, a verse here and there. This is God's word. First of all, Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Go down to verse 17 of Proverbs 17. 
A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Then you go to Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Go to Proverbs 19, verse 6. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. That could be taken a couple ways. We'll talk about that. Go to Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man or friend who can find. Proverbs 22, verse 11. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. And then we'll finish in Proverbs 27. 27, verse 6, 9, and 10. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Verse 10, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor, same word for friend, who is near than a brother who is far away. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us. He wants us to experience the wonderful life of friendship. And he wants us, of course, to understand that Jesus is our best and truest friend. Let's pray. Father, would you open our eyes that we might understand what it means to be a friend, to have a friend, and most of all, to enjoy Jesus as our friend. We pray this in his name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So I have 24 minutes, and we're going to cover six points. I will do this as you help me by your prayers and your attention. We're going to use the acronym FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D, to summarize what we learn about friends and friendship in the book of Proverbs. F-R-I-E-N-D. A friend is forgiving. A friend is real. A friend is inspiring. A friend is enduring. A friend is nourishing. And a friend is dignifying. Let's dig in. First of all, be a friend who is forgiving. Look at Proverbs 17, verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Look, woundedness and proximity are directly proportional. Those with whom we have the closest friendship are able to give us the deepest wounds. Woundedness and proximity are directly proportional. And so those who give us the deepest pain, the deepest wounds are the same people that can give us the greatest encouragement. 
And if I were to ask for a show of hands of everyone who's been hurt by a friend, I am pretty confident that all of our hands would go up. As a matter of fact, you may be thinking of a friendship right now that has been wounded or you've been wounded and there's strain and stress and perhaps even distance in the relationship. Proverbs calls us to be Christ-like, that as Christ has forgiven us as our dear friend, that we are then to extend forgiveness to others. Now listen, this doesn't mean we pretend we weren't wronged. To, To forgive like Jesus is to acknowledge the sin and acknowledge the wrong and acknowledge the wound. And what Jesus did for us is he absorbed it. He took upon himself the cost of our wounding God. And then in love, he chooses to forgive. That's what happens in deep friendships. We acknowledge the wound. We acknowledge the pain. And we choose to absorb it. And then we choose to love and choose to forgive. This is exactly what the New Testament repeats through the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 4, 8. Keep loving one another earnestly, for love covers over a multitude of sins. But if you repeat the matter, it's going to increase distance. It's going to separate close friends. Now, there are different ways of repeating a matter. First of all, in your own mind. If you ruminate over something again and again and again and again and again, do you ever notice you get angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier and more bitter and more resentful? So that when you do see that friend, you lash out because you've been having this personal conversation with yourself, feeding the woundedness. Or you begin to gossip to other people about how you've been wounded. Anytime you repeat a matter, it's going to separate close friends. But if you acknowledge the wound, acknowledge the pain, and absorb it like Christ absorbed our sin, then you choose to love, then you choose to forgive. The story is told of uh, a man and his son who were estranged because the son deeply wronged the father. But finally, the father could handle it no more, and he went to pursue his son, and his son was gone. His son had left because of the woundedness. And this father went all across Spain looking for his son, Paco. Finally, when he ran out of any other ideas, he put a classified ad in the Madrid paper. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day, 800 Pacos showed up, all longing to experience the forgiveness of a father. Close friends have the opportunity of reflecting and revealing the heart of our Heavenly Father. We don't repeat wrongs we forgive them be a friend who's forgiving or be a friend who is real 
Look at Proverbs 19, verse 6. And again, there's a couple ways we can interpret this proverb. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. First of all, this is a warning. This is a warning to all of us to look out for manipulative, self-serving motives in friendships. Everybody loves a person who gives gifts. In other words, be careful that you're not pursuing a friendship because somebody has something that they offer you that you want. That's not a friendship. You're a tick and that person's a dog. And you're just trying to suck life out of them. But then also beware because there are people who may seem to be your friends and they're the tick and you're the dog. So don't be the tick and don't let other people be a tick. But instead, recognize that we can be manipulative in friendships. We can be self-serving in friendships. And what God wants us to be is real. He wants us to be sincere. He wants us to pursue friendship because we love people as they are, not for what they do or what they bring to the table. And then uh, Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor. Again, same word as friend. Deceives his friend and says, I'm only joking. You know, sometimes as a staff, we joke that our love language is sarcasm. You know, you're really uh, embraced by our staff when we start, you know, some little banter back and forth. Now, we've also talked about how we need to be careful because, frankly, sometimes sarcasm is simply camouflaged criticism. And rather than being real and honest with someone about something they've done or something that's bugging us, we'll just use sarcasm. And basically, it's judging somebody and then say, oh, I'm only joking, but you weren't joking. You were serious. And camouflaged sarcasm can really wound another person. I need to be careful here. And we all do. And then it says in Proverbs 29, verse 5, A man who flatters his neighbor, again his friend, spreads a net for his feet. Flattery is as dangerous as camouflaging sarcasm. Always pretending that everything between you and somebody else is blue sky. Always building someone up, but not sincerely. Not honestly. That's not helpful to a friendship. It's it's basing a friendship on that which is fake and not real and not sincere. So so be truthful in your friendships. Uh, This is interesting. Be a friend who is real. Proverbs 27, verse 10. Listen to this now very carefully. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house, don't go to your family, in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor or friend who is near than a brother who is far away. What's he saying? He's saying that we all face calamity in life. We all face trial, difficulty, and The sages are telling us, don't run off to family that might be far away, but stay right here with your friends and be real, be authentic, be vulnerable, be transparent. 
tell a few others. Now, again, we can't broadcast all of our brokenness, you know, from the highways and byways. But there are a few friends that God says we are to be vulnerable with. I have a friend who talks about this place of vulnerability as being our holy of holies, our holy place. You know, the priest could only go into the holy of holies once a year. So it's very, very rare. But who do you have in your life that you let into your holy place? Your place of vulnerability, transparency in times of calamity and difficulty. And then let me ask you this. Are you the kind of friend that anybody has ever given you the privilege and the honor of allowing you into their holy place? And if not, why not? Are you not a safe person? Is that not a value in our friendships? Be a friend who's forgiving. Be a friend who's real. Thirdly, I be a friend who's inspiring. Proverbs 22, verse 11. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Everyone loves to hear gracious, kind, encouraging, affirming, inspiring words. Even the king, but especially our friends. Paul calls us to this in Colossians 4. He says, let your speech be full of grace seasoned with salt. Salt gives foods flavor. Salt preserves food. We are to inspire our friends, and we're to seek out inspiring friends that have gracious speech. Hebrews puts it like this, Hebrews 10.25, seek to stimulate one another, stir up one another, Encourage one another, inspire one another to love and good deeds. Friendships should be inspiring. They should call us to more. Do we have friends that inspire us to seek Christ? That inspire us to seek first the kingdom of God? And are we friends that inspire others by pointing them to Jesus and pointing them to the hope of the gospel. I mean, that song, you're not guilty anymore. Can you imagine how many a friend that inspired you with those words constantly? It's beautiful. There was a famous painter. Uh, he did all kinds of portraits of the revolutionary uh, fathers and heroes of our nation. And uh, his name was Benjamin West. And when he was a little kid, he started dabbling in painting. And his mother went out for an errand. And uh, while she was gone, he got out the paints as a little boy and painted a portrait of his sister. And it was actually amazing for his age. Uh, the problem was he got paint everywhere. I mean, all over the furniture, all over the floor. Uh, it was everywhere. And his mom came back and it was a complete and utter disaster but she saw the portrait that Benjamin, her son, had made of his sister. And rather than scolding him, she said, what an amazing portrait of your sister. And she bent down and kissed him. At the end of his life, Benjamin West said, 
with that kiss, I became a painter. Are we using our words to inspire one another to love and good deeds? Be a friend who's forgiving. Be a friend who's real. Be a friend who's inspiring. Fourthly, be a friend who's enduring. There's no such thing as a fair-weather friend. A fair-weather friend is a contradiction in terms. A friend endures. Look at Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends don't walk away just because of disagreement. Friends don't walk away just because of wounds. Friends stick with each other through thick and thin. Now, when we talk about friendships, I hope you're connecting the dots. Uh, The most important friendship if you're married is your spouse. Friendships with your children. But all of us, single, married, kids, no kids, all of us have friends of the same gender. And those friendships are absolutely critical. Now, I think it's also healthy to have friendships, but clearly you've got to be more careful um, with uh, also brothers with sisters and sisters with brothers in Christ. You know, um, Proverbs 20, verse 6, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Again, we're to be loyal and faithful. Let me talk about something over the past 20 months, and I've mentioned some things before. There have been all kinds of things that have divided Christians. Politics, COVID, mask, no mask, vax, no vax, uh, different views of uh, talking about critical things like like same-sex attraction and when is it a sin and when is it like any other temptation or brokenness that we face. There's all kinds of issues. And yet, we need to recognize Jesus is grieved more by the breakdown of friendship than he is about the issue itself that people are breaking up friendships over. Can I say that again? Jesus is is more grieved over the breaking up and splintering and divisiveness of Christian friendships, then he is grieved over the issues that we're dividing over to begin with. You think, well, Bob, that's a bold statement. Yeah, but it's pretty basic, actually. John 17. What did Jesus pray? That we would be one as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Jesus prayed that the world would know we're Christians by our good theology? No. By the stands we take on issues? No. The world will know we're Christians by our love for one another. So Jesus is clearly more grieved over the splintering of friendships among Christians as he is grieved over the issues that are, we're allowing to cause the splintering. The story is told about a soldier in World War I. He and his buddy 
uh, were on the battle lines. They were on the front. And uh, it was one of those uh, two foxholes, enemy and uh, the Americans and the no man's land in the middle. And uh, they, he and his buddy were in the battle. They got shot at. His buddy actually got shot, was wounded in the middle of the no man's land. So he's, the friend's back in the foxhole. He goes to his commander and says, I've got to go out there and get Jim. And the commander says, well, I'm not going to stop you. But you realize Jim's probably already dead. And you also need to realize that if you go out there, you're going to get shot and you're probably going to die also. He said, I don't care. I got to go. So he did. And sure enough, he got to Jim, but he got shot. Was somehow able to bring Jim back uh, to the foxhole. And the commander said, I, I, I told you this would happen. Jim is dead. And now you've been mortally wounded. You're going to die too. It's been a total waste. And the soldier said, no, sir, it hasn't been a total waste. Because when I got to Jim, he was still alive. And he said, Bill, I knew you'd come for me. Who are the people in your life with whom you have an enduring friendship? Someone that you know if you're bleeding out on a battlefield with no one around, you know they'd come. Or who is there in your life that if they were shot up and dying, you'd risk everything to go to them? Be a friend who's forgiving, real, inspiring, enduring. Fifthly, be a friend who's nourishing. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. We are called to nourish one another as deep friends, to know where each other needs nourishment physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, in every area you can think of. And we are to speak nourishment using the truth of God. We are to speak nourishment by pointing each other to the cross of Christ as our hope. Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Many of us have many companions. If you look at your lives, you really don't have close friends. But you've got lots of companions. In other words, you haven't gone deep. And, and Solomon tells us that a man of many or a woman of many companions will not be kept from failure. But there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We need more than companions that talk to us about football and fashion or whatever else people talk about when it's a shallow relationship. I mean, come on, be honest. Aren't you tired of shallow relationships? I am. Life is too short to talk about doggone football all the time or fill in the blank. We need 
people in our lives that nourish us. We're to be spinach that we feed to each other, just like Popeye. Remember Popeye, the cartoon? Some of you young folks probably don't know Popeye, and that's why your lives are so empty. <laughs> no, Popeye, he, he'd get in all kinds of trouble with evil. They'd, evil would hunt him. And, and every show, uh, there'd be this can of spinach that would show up somehow. A friend would get him a can of spinach, and his muscles would turn into battleships, and he'd always won the day. That's what we're to be for each other in friendships. We're to nourish each other. We're to be spiritual spinach and relational spinach. By the way, I hate cooked spinach. But nonetheless, we're to offer each other nourishment. Okay, I'm going to do it here. We have a call to be a friend who is forgiving, who is real, who is inspiring, who is enduring, who is nourishing. And then lastly, we're to be a friend who is dignifying. Proverbs 27, 6. Listen to this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, we're not talking about the same kind of wounds that we were talking about when we talked about being a forgiving friend. Those are wounds that are caused by our own brokenness and our own sinfulness. We're talking faithful wounds that are like a surgeon's scalpel among our friendships. There is a place for rebuke. There is a place for loving confrontation. There is a place to recognize when it comes to deep friendships, we are indeed our friend's keeper. And we need people who know us so well and can sense when something's off and treat us with honesty and dignity and are kind enough to rebuke us when's the last time you've been rebuked by a friend if you're struggling to think of that moment in the near past i would say that your life is filled with companions and not friends and companions won't change your life God will use a friend. See, grace doesn't mean there's no place for exhortation. How many times have you heard it in this church? Grace has teeth. It's loving. It's merciful. But grace has teeth. And gospel friendships have teeth. We are to call each other to more. We're to point each other to the glory that that Christ is restoring us to. And we are to be real and honest and kind about sin in each other's lives. Look, Peter and Jesus were good friends. And Jesus affirmed Peter. When when in Matthew 16, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? It was Peter who said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, And Jesus affirms Peter. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What an affirmation. What a friend nourishing Peter's soul and inspiring him. Well, just in the next passage, 
Jesus tells the disciples, including Peter, that he's going to the cross. He's going to die for the sins of the world. Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, no way, this isn't happening to you. And Jesus says, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Woo. Talk about a change of perspective. Blessed are you. Get behind me, Satan. You see, Jesus was the perfect friend. Jesus is the perfect friend. When we need affirmation and inspiration, he speaks it into our souls. And when we need flat out, loving, kind, honest rebuke, he does not pull punches. Are you surrounded by yes people? Yes friends? Who are just always telling you to go with what you want to do? Or do you have friends who are willing to say the hard truths? In your lives. Proverbs 27 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, one friend, sharpens another. You're not treating each other with dignity if you're not willing to lovingly confront. See, all we're being called to do here is, is to recognize that Jesus is this friend. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus wants us to be real. Go to him in our calamities. Jesus is inspiring. Jesus is enduring as a friend. Jesus is nourishing as a friend. Jesus is dignifying as a friend. And as we learn to walk with Jesus as our friend, he teaches us how to be a friend. John 15, verse 15. Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. James 2, 23, Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You want a wonderful life? Remember, he is no failure who has friends. An amazing truth, but not the most amazing truth. The most amazing truth is that he is no failure, she is no failure who has Christ as his friend. You're not guilty anymore. You're blameless. You're faultless. Only if you have Jesus as your friend. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for Proverbs that uh, it just touches every single topic of life. And God, we thank you for reminding us that few topics are more important in the topic of friendship. So Lord, we pray that you would bring into our lives close, dear, deep friends. And Lord, that we would be a close, dear, honoring friend to others. Lord, we know that we can't have lots of friends. That's just companions. We, we couldn't afford to go this deep with many people. But God, for those of us who have no friends of this level, men, women, young, old, would you grant us those friendships? And Lord, most of all, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't have Jesus as their truest and best friend, that today would be the day they put their hope and trust in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and hear the benediction. The, the promise of God's love and grace upon our lives uh, as we go.
And now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he turn his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace both now and always.